and welcome to the Deadhead Cannabis Show. This is Larry Mishkin. Uh, I am here today from uh, sunny Chicago, Illinois, where it's not just sunny, but it's hot. In fact, it's unreasonably hot. So we are in full swing of summer, and it's kicking in with a vengeance. Uh, we took last week off uh, while I traveled uh, with my family out to the uh, Poconos in Pennsylvania, and uh, my partner Jim Marty did some traveling. And apparently Jim is still on the road this week, but we thought the show is going to go on. Um, and so I've reached out and I've asked uh, the newest addition to our team, uh, Max Wellens, uh, who is uh, both a good friend and the son of a good friend, son of two good friends, uh, who is currently in Boulder, Colorado. Is that correct, Max? That's true. Okay. Um, you've heard us talk about the Wellenses on this show before. Uh, Max's mom, Andy, um, is the owner of Society Jane in San Francisco, which is really hip, cool. Uh, uh, direct-to-customer uh, sales uh, operation for women by women. Uh, well worth it if you don't. Uh, if you're a woman and you want and you live in the Bay Area, you should be looking up Society Jane. Uh, and uh, Max's father, Alex, is one of my good friends from way back to college days, and uh, saw many a dead show with uh, Alex Wellens, and still try to get together with him from time to time. So uh, it's great to have a Wellens on the show. Max, welcome. Thank you, Larry. It's great to be here. It was awesome having you out in Boulder a couple of years, or uh, last summer. Came out for Tedeschi Trucks, if I'm not mistaken, at Red Rocks. Well, uh, not only are you not mistaken, but I think you served as a wonderful chauffeur taking our group uh, to the show and back from the show and everywhere in between and uh, to all the good uh, uh, hotspots, as it were, in uh, Boulder. But yes, that was a lot of fun. And uh, we had high hopes of getting out there again this year. Although, in fact, your parents were just out there, weren't they? They were. They just left about a week ago. My dad spent his birthday out here, and we just hung out in the Colorado sun for a couple of weeks. They road tripped out, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a blast. Sadly, they weren't here for a show because there are no shows. You know, concert venues aren't back open in Colorado yet. However, we did make a really fun stop. Uh, we drove about 45 minutes down to, to uh, Red Rocks, and they opened the park back up. So oh, wow. we could walk up the steps and um, just walk through the whole park. And it was really an awesome atmosphere just to be there, sadly, without a show to look forward to. But it was it was really a blast. That's great fun. That's great. It's nice that your parents go out there and can hang out for a few weeks. Uh, no, we did have a lot of fun out there last year, and Boulder will always be a place uh, that we will come back to for no other reason because it's not too far away from Longmont and Jim Marty's uh, venue, uh, including his uh, barn, which uh, for those of you who have never seen it is quite a sight to see and well worth the trip out to Longmont, and uh, we'll look forward to being back out there again someday for some direct taping uh, from there. Wish Jim happy travels this week, and we will look forward to catching up with him next week. Um, in terms of uh, starting off with what's going on in the marijuana world, Max, uh, Jim and I always like to do a quick uh, local roundup. Uh, he fills me up to date with what's going on out in the uh, Boulder, Denver area. 
Uh, I counter back with what we've got going on in Illinois. Um, do you have your ear to the ground in Boulder as to what's going on with the uh, 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 adult use and medical programs out there right now? Um, all that I know is that most of the dispensaries are not allowing people to walk in. Everything has to still be ordered online or via the phone. Um, and for the most part, it's curbside delivery sort of situation. Um, I haven't been keeping up too much, but it's about all I know at the moment. Okay. Well, we have curbside here and uh, it's a wonderful thing. I was able to swing by my medical dispensary today and it's really kind of nice. You just pull in, you show them your card, you hand them the cash, they come back out and hand you the product in a bag and off you go. And as I'm pulling away, I see a police officer driving in and I wave at him and he waves at me and it's a beautiful thing. However, in Illinois, we are sitting here pulling our hair out of our head because uh, we still do not have any announcements on any of the licenses for any of the applications for dispensaries, which were supposed to be announced at the beginning of May. And now for the uh, craft grow cultivation and the uh, uh, processing, which would be supposed to be announced at the beginning of July. And uh, we get we have lots of good fun here in politics in, in, in the Midwest, Max. And uh, if you haven't ever had a chance to experience Illinois politics, it takes a little while, but you finally figure it all out or, or what you figure out is that you can't figure it out. And uh, so we don't, we don't have any idea. We've been told that there might be announcements next week. Uh, we've been told it might not be until the week after. Some people are telling us mid-August at best. And uh, it, it, it's all unfortunate. We all have a lot of different suspicions and reasons why. Um, I have some suspicions and reasons, but I don't really know that it's right for me to be talking about them uh, on the air just yet. So I think we'll wait. We'll give the state a chance to see if it can pull this off and and really make it work, which I hope that it can do. It's a great program for Illinois. It's a great program for anywhere, but really for Illinois. And uh, you know, hopefully we can uh, we can pick it up and get it going. But we'll see. The other big factor that uh, we've been keeping an eye on is what's going on with uh, the recession, as it were, that's the byproduct of the uh, pandemic that we're currently still going through. And uh, one of the things that Jim and I uh, kind of came to uh, – a realization about a couple of weeks ago is it really depends on where you're located. Um, and it's very interesting to see in Illinois, things are going very, very well. We keep breaking records each month. Uh, I think we were just under $200 million in sales for the uh, first quarter of the year with only about 51 or 52 operating adult use dispensaries and with very limited amounts of cultivation. So we're all very excited about that. We're more excited to get uh, these additional dispensaries and craft grows online uh, both because you get a little new variety with the craft grows and we certainly need more dispensaries so we don't all have to go wait in line all the time or at least those that use the uh, the adult use market are your dispensary are you were saying your dispensaries are not open for going in you, you have to call and uh, make your uh, purchases in advance and then pick up yes that's true I think they're doing cash as well but the last time that I went it was card only um, yeah, just put all your stuff in a bucket and they walk inside, bring it in and I'm sure they spray it off right. uh, before they return it to you and all that. And, you know, even for just one little product or a cartridge or anything, it's, you know, it's standard operating procedure right now. Interesting. So are they taking a credit card or a debit card? Uh, I use my debit card, but I would assume they're taking both. Interesting. 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 That's yeah. great. When you get to a point where you can do that in Illinois, it's all cash. And I suspect it's going to stay that way for a little while at least. But, uh, 
eventually things will have to go to credit card because that's just the way the world works. And uh, But this effect of uh, the recession, we, we keep looking at it from the viewpoint of the um, of the owners. And uh, that's an important thing to do. They've all invested a lot of money and there's a lot of hope that this is a recession-proof industry as alcohol has proven to be over the years and, and other things that people to, turn to for comfort in times of stress or craziness. And certainly in Illinois, it looks like it's playing out that way. But apparently there are some parts of the country where the market has cooled off a little bit. And as a result, um, it's having an effect that's rippling through the industry. And an article that I just saw recently, actually, in Marijuana Business Today, uh, Marijuana Business Daily, which is the uh, daily marijuana information newsletter that I would recommend anyone read. There was an article I saw about the effects on labor. And apparently, you know, just as all industries are, are laying off their workers and looking for workarounds to avoid excess labor co- excessive labor costs, the cannabis industry, to some degree, is proving to be no different. But and this will be interesting to get your perspective, Max, but certainly, you know, from the way I view it and, and I think that, you know, the people of my generation view it, uh, one of the things about purchasing cannabis is that it's always been a very personal experience. Uh, you get to know the person who's selling it to you. Uh, you know, back in the day where we were in college, if you found that person who uh, would be willing to to make sales to you, you found them and you kind of uh, developed that relationship because, that was a good person to know. Now I find when I go to the dispensaries, uh, there are certain bud tenders there who I gravitate towards because I've had good experiences with them and uh, they make good recommendations and they can answer my questions. And um, for, for, for people of your generation, let's say, and then the people you associate with, do you find that to be something that's just as, as uh, integral to your uh, dispensary experience or are you guys just as cool going in and, you know, using like a uh, almost a vending machine approach? Well, what I've found is that it definitely still pays to have relationships with people. And, you know, it's almost more important now to make sure that, you know, given lack of communication, lack of and excessive communication via social media and via the internet and all that, it's easy to get scammed by people that someone that's right down the hall that wants to, you know, take basically just take your money. But I think now the people in my generation are having a good time going, returning to dispensaries, especially in Colorado and the people that um, are the dispensaries that are here have actually made more of an effort, if anything, to reach out to their customers, to the people that you know sign up for their rewards programs and things like that. And it's pretty important for them just because of the pandemic, of the pandemic, excuse me, and because of all of this panic. And uh, I don't know if you heard, but the day that Colorado was supposed to decide on what is considered an essential service, uh, there were you know, three hour waits outside of dispensaries and outside of liquor stores because they were both supposed to be non-essential. So apparently it got passed that those two were non-essential. There were large, large lines. And then uh, about my roommate told me about 41 minutes later that 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 was revoked. So, um, yeah, it's it's really interesting. And I think that the dispensaries are relying more than ever on their returning customers and, you know, really trying to make their loyalty worth their time and worth their money. So 
you know, they're offering plenty of deals. They're sending out texts and email blasts like crazy. And yeah, I mean, they're really, they're really pushing for it right now. Well, that's a great thing. Um, you know, and, and, and that just, you know, goes back to my point that I think that, you know, to some degree, this is a really labor intensive industry and it's going to be hard for uh, cultivation centers and, and dispensaries to participate in big layoffs. Uh, I, I know just from talking to my uh, cultivation clients and, and people that I know who, who work in cultivation centers, how important it is to have people in there doing specific things like hand trimming. So you can put hand trimmed on the packaging and, and uh, the people who have always just grown up with a sense of uh, all of our marijuana experiences were always uh, tied into one or two or three people who were growing or who were distributing. And so it's going to be interesting to see how these businesses uh, choose to do that. And hopefully the ones that are, are going strong because of uh, uh the, the interest uh, that people are having in uh, marijuana right now during the pandemic and the, the lots of time off that everyone has will continue and, and they'll be able to go ahead and they'll be able to do it. Um, the other side of it, of course, is that eventually uh, it just becomes too expensive for mom and pop to operate the small stores. And we wind up with states and maybe even whole parts of the country, you know, really falling under the control of five to 10 or more, major multi-state operators. And I don't know what, again, I don't know what, you know, uh, you know, your uh, people you hang out with and everything feel about that, whether it's more important to find a, you know, a, a real mom and pop store that's, you know, just like a, a Boulder based and this is it versus uh, MedMen or, you know, one of the other multi-state operators that pops up just about everywhere these days. Um, and I've got very mixed feelings about it myself. Um, I like the mom and pop store. I think it's a, I think it's a fun part of the whole marijuana buying experience and uh, that you go in and just, you know, could be anybody just like you or just like me behind the counter uh, helping people out. And uh, you really, I think, kind of get a sense that they're part of the community and they like to be there. But there's no question that the big, the big stores, the multi-state operators can just come in and really kick butt when it comes to pricing and quality of product and not just quality of product, but variety of options. Um, and I'm just wondering if that's not the direction we're going. What do you think? I mean, I think that in Boulder specifically, and I mean, I'm sure in Denver too, you know, there is, I would say a heavier reliance on the local shop and the mom, maybe not necessarily the mom and pop shop, but it's definitely, you know, your local spot that you go to instead of, seeking out maybe the nationwide chain or the multi-level business. Whereas here it's a lot of like, you know, there's, there's 30 dispensaries within a couple miles of the area. And so it's, it's pretty important for them all to be unique in their own way and to have their own character to them. I think, um, you know, you get a different experience at Terrapin care station versus, the health center versus Eclipse. And they're all, you know, they all bring different things to the table. Some tax differently, some, you know, just have better products for cartridges, for flour, for concentrates, whatever it is. And so I think having that variety and having it as, you know, a localized variety is very, is pretty important to the area. Um, I definitely, it really, you know, every single person that you ask out here, 
has a different preference on where they like to get their product and what they like to be getting. And, you know, there's, it, it, it definitely varies place to place for sure. Okay. Well, I can understand that. And, you know, Illinois, it's all still so new that, uh, as we've, as we kind of segue from medical into adult use. And right now the only, uh, adult use dispensaries that are operating are those that are connected to medical because those were the, 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 the early uh, licensees in the program. Um, and now as soon as we get these new licenses awarded, all of a sudden they'll have a little competition as uh, some groups will come online. I know there's some people here that have applied for multiple licenses in an effort to come right out of the box and, and, and try and get a share of uh, a piece of the market share. Um, and there's others who are just very content to try and get one license and, and open it up and, and run that. So we're very excited to see how it plays out here in Illinois. Um, but of course, in order for anything to play out, they actually have to award the licenses. So we're keeping our fingers crossed on that and asking the governor and his people to please, please, please um, make that happen for us. And one other little point on that, you, you asked, you asked about the, the vending machine yes. idea. And I think that going off of your point, it's, it's more likely to be, you know, statewide accepted. I think if, if it's real people, like I was saying, if it's real people that you can talk to and that you can, you know, you can ask them questions, you can, tell them about why are you're why you're there to purchase what you're there to purchase so you know you can you can look for sleep specific remedies you can look for something that might you know give you a little bit more of a energy boost or something something that's just more for you know CBD heavy for anxiety or for inflammation things like that so you know I think you lose that human touch when it comes to the vending machine idea and I think that encouraging more of the mom and pop sort of feel will could definitely be a, a way forward for for illinois no I, I i like that and i think that's true too there's certain conveniences to vending machines and i get that um but at the end of the day it, it does kind of at least a little bit detracts from the experience for me too. Cause I do like being able to go in and walk around and see what's there and talk to people and you just lose out on that. But you know, that's why I'm just an attorney and I'm not a uh, multi-state operator. Um, so we get to the point in the show where we kind of pivot a little bit now from uh, what's going on in the world of cannabis to uh, what's going on in the world of music. And uh for those of you who might just be tuning in and wondering what happened to Jim Marty's voice, uh, let me assure you that Jim is fine. He's still traveling uh, and he will be back with us next week. Uh, joining me uh, and helping me out with the show today is Max Wellens. Max recently joined the Deadhead Cannabis Show uh, in our marketing department. And so people out there listening might be getting calls from Max about uh, uh, possibly guesting on our show, possibly supporting our show are just getting some good information about what's happening with our show. Um, but uh, in that regard, Max, welcome aboard, and we're happy to have you. Thanks again for having me. And um, now that we're shifting over towards the music side of things, I should note that um, Deadhead Cannabis show alum, Jay Blakesburg, uh, I actually have a pretty close relationship with him. He uh, has been my neighbor basically my entire life. Uh, back in San Francisco, and a um, little fun factoid is that he used to drive the neighborhood carpool 
um, along with my mom, who has also been on the show. So it's uh, it's very it's very funny hearing him on your show and hearing the big, you know, hearing such a big name in the jam scene, but knowing him as uh, the guy whose dog that I go over and take care of and the guy that would drive me to high school and middle school and elementary school and all over. So, so here's the million dollar question. What would you have on the radio? Uh, usually grateful dead and, or jam on, on XM, things like that. It was, I mean, you know, he knows basically everyone that runs each of those channels on XM. So, and a lot of the serious guys. So, um, you know, it was ranging from, my morning jacket to uh, the Almond Brothers to the Dead, obviously to you know Jay loves to talk about the newer jam bands coming up, and as a son of two Deadheads, it's uh, it's been ingrained in me from a pretty young age to listen to not only rock and roll and jam type music, but also just expand my variety and all that. And so, yeah, Jay and I while we may have a bit of an age difference, it's very fun knowing that we both listen to a lot of the same music. And I always love seeing his photos from shows of bands like Twiddle and Pigeons Playing Ping Pong and, you know, some of the newer up, up and coming acts that, and Trombone Shorty, who has been well-established and people like that. So um, people that I've seen my whole life, but it's awesome to see that mutual connection there. That's great. You know, that's like, you know, getting to get into every day in the car. You never know what kind of story you're going to get from Jay, depending on who's playing on the radio and, and who he knows and what he does. But um, for people listening, Jay Blakesburg, who's the official photographer for Dead and Company and has been shooting pictures of uh, the dead and the Grateful Dead and the various members, as well as the entire jam band scene for a number of years, was a guest on our show a few months ago. Uh, if you go on to our, Bulls, our, our website at mjbulls.com or uh, go to the uh, Apple Store or the Google Store, whatever they're called these days, uh, and you can download the new MJ Bulls app. And uh, by doing so, you can access this show and you can access the whole library of shows. And uh, our engineer, Dan Humiston, who's uh, with us today, has been kind enough to get this all pulled together and uh, is constantly upgrading it, but it's still very cool to see. And uh, any of our shows are there. And so if we talk about one, they're all fully accessible. And, uh, and that's a lot of fun. And yeah, you know, uh, for, for a relatively young person, uh, Max does have some excellent connections. Uh, he does have uh, uh, parents who are well-bred in the uh, world of jam band music and, uh, and all of that. But uh, he deserves some credit himself about, no, what was it, six, seven months ago. Uh, when Max's father, Alex, had a 20th anniversary for his work uh, company. He started out in San Francisco, the Blue Shirt Group, uh, and they had a big party at the Great American – was it the Great American Music Theater? Great, Great American Music Hall, one of the most legendary and beautiful beautiful venues in San Francisco, on the West Coast, i got to say. Yes, and, uh, and the entertainment for the evening was Carl Denson's Tiny Universe, and uh, I'm a huge Carl Denson fan and uh, have, have uh, actually turned on to him by Alex. Um, but uh, have, have always enjoyed listening to him, so we were very, very excited about that. Uh, but there's a historic moment in the midst of it all, and if we don't already have it uh, on our uh, on our uh, webpage, we'll, we'll post it there afterwards. Uh, but uh, Mr. Wellens here, uh, Max, who plays a mean saxophone, was invited 
up onto the stage with uh, Carl Denson's group uh, to do a killer version of Shakedown Street. And uh, for all of us who were out there to celebrate with Alex and his uh, work associates and friends and, and all of that, it was the highlight of the evening. So, um, you know, anybody who can get up on stage and play with Carl Denson has uh, rock and roll chops as far as I'm concerned. So if anybody's wondering if, if Max has street cred, the answer is more than most of us. <laughs> it was it was very wild and it was really an awesome time and was just so glad to um, I mean, obviously, it was an incredible opportunity for me and, um, you know, my dad and I had a fun evening just kind of geeking out, even just at soundcheck, just hanging out with him in the band and all that. And um, it was fantastic having Larry out there. And yeah, it was I mean, it was truly unforgettable. I mean, yep. I've got that. I've got that photo saved forever. Um, yes. It was it was really something special. Yes, it was. So that was that was really a lot of fun. So what? Well, let's see what else has been going on. Um, my family just got back from a cross country trip out east and back. Uh, makes me very grateful to have an XM Dead channel and just be able to pick it up anywhere, anytime. Don't have to fight over uh, CDs. Don't have to worry about anything like that. You just turn it on. My kids are old enough. They love to listen to it, too. Um, probably before your time, Max, in the old days when we'd go on the road uh, on tour with the dead, if we wanted dead music, we had to take cassette tapes and hope the car had a cassette player or somebody else brought a boom box or whatever. But that required you sometimes to take 10 to 15 tapes to make sure you had enough music, depending on how far you were going to be driving, then hoping that the tape machine didn't need the tapes and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So <clears throat> certainly the, uh, the advent of modern XM radio and the Grateful Dead channel in particular and, and fish radio too, in that regard, um, is very, very nice. And on these types of trips and comes in handy. But for me, it, it, in some ways it was almost melancholy because Jim and I have been spending a lot of time talking about the absence of any summer tour. And when your parents and I were your age, it was right in the middle of spending every summer figuring out what dead shows we were going to go see and where were we going to go? Was I going to head out to the West coast like I did in 1985 for the 20th anniversary shows at the Greek theater. Um, and, and, you know, meanwhile, your parents, uh, came to shows with us in the Chicago area and, uh, we'd see them all over the place. Um, but, you know, here we were taking a long road trip on I-80 and we weren't going to any shows. And, uh, you know, on a certain level to be doing all that driving and not have a show at one end or the other uh, didn't seem right. But I but I did take note that uh, uh, along the way, and maybe this is just the magic of I-80 and summer tour, uh, we passed a number of exits that one might take. Were you on I-80 and looking to go see the dead? Um, one of those was uh, for Tinley Park at the World Music Theater and southern uh, south part of chicago where the dead played one set of shows in 1989 i want to say it was either 89 or 90 and then that was it because it was i think it was 90 it was a total disaster they couldn't handle the crowd they couldn't handle the parking they couldn't handle anything and it it, it, it created a, a massive traffic jam that shut down all of interstate 80 and it just was it wasn't fun for anybody, but nevertheless, they had played there. Uh, then as we drive through Indiana, the Indiana Toll Road, there was the exit to go to Indianapolis, which, of course, is the home of Deer Creek Music Theater, where we've seen some great dead shows. Uh, and we head into Ohio, and first we drove by the exit for, uh, well, the exit you would take if you were heading down to Legend Valley, which is where Buckeye Lake Music Center is. And for a few summers, the dead showed up there and played some really big shows. And then uh, one of the best places I ever saw shows, and I actually saw a show here, Max, with your father, 
at the Cuyahoga Falls, uh, in Cuyahoga Falls, the Blossom Music Center, which is just outside of Cleveland. And we saw a great show there in 1984 um, with a killer version of Dear Mr. Fantasy, uh, which for me was very special because uh, people like uh, Max's dad, Alex, and his good friend, and my good friend too, Larry Van Oker, and a lot of these guys had seen already 100 or more dead shows at that point in time. And I was still kind of in the 20 to 30 range and, you know, trying to hold my own with the big boys. But we, my, uh, my wife and I and uh, my good friends Tom and Deanie had gone out to um, Red Rocks that summer to see the dead. And one of the benefits was that of that was on the third night, uh, the dead broke out Dear Mr. Fantasy for the first time and really just kind of blew everybody away with it. And uh, they played it great and it was completely unexpected and uh, it was just a really, really good thing. Um, and every, you know, you, you couldn't text anybody, you couldn't do anything like that. You had to wait till the show was over and then find a payphone to call people to let them know what they played. Um, but it was great. And then we went, uh, came back home and we went to Cuyahoga Falls, which was one of the first shows on the summer tour coming through the Midwest. And so there I was with your father and this guy, Larry Van Oker, and this whole crew of deadheads. And they start to play this song and everybody's looking around. What song is this? What song is this? And I just kind of strolled up there and said, I think it's Dear Mr. Fantasy. And of course, they kicked right into Dear Mr. Fantasy. And from that moment on, I think I kind of, you know, earned my chops and, uh, uh, you know, could hang out with the big boys a little bit. But uh, but that was a good time. So, you know, even on a, just a simple drive going east, you can't get rid of the dead because they're everywhere. And if you've seen them enough times, you've seen them just about everywhere. So that was a lot of fun. The other thing that you know, on XM was when everybody would get tired of the dead, we were flipping over to Classic Rewind because they were doing a top 80s thing with the top 40 tapes from 1980s. And I I'm, say this jokingly, but I assume you and my kids have at least some basic working knowledge of what a cassette tape is and understand that back in the day, if you didn't want to walk around with a record, you walked around with a cassette tape. That was all pre-CD. And, uh, you know, again, like I said before, you hoped it didn't get tangled or torn or ripped up. Um, and if it did, you just had to go buy a new one. Um, but certainly for, you know, folks that are my age and your parents' age, uh, you know, the, the soundtrack of our high school and, and early college years were all on cassette tapes, not to mention those of us that collected Grateful Dead bootlegs. And I still have probably 500 tapes lying around somewhere without really anything to play them on. Um, but, you know, took a long time to collect them, so I'm not ready to get rid of them yet. But it was fun to hear, you know, other bands for a while like Cheap Trick and Tom Petty and Van Halen and Aerosmith and the Cars and ACDC and my kids were really impressed that you know they think all I listen to is the dead and I probably haven't listened to much of this music in the last few years but I remember the words to just about every song they played and that reminded me Max of a story your dad told me about were you with them when they saw um Aerosmith and Jay Giles at Fenway Park I was not I have seen video some famous video from the outfield of that of that show um yep yeah where they uh they put the they put the grand piano on the monster right yes they did but i remember your father telling me what a fun night it was because you could just sit around and sing every word to every song all night long those were certainly the two boston bands of his youth being a boston boy himself you know we all had uh, uh you know certain memories from some of these bands and songs but no matter what we just listened to them so much on fm radio that we all knew all the words to all the songs and you know that my kids were a little impressed by that because i have to confess that whatever today's music is that they listen to when they're not listening to the dead 
is what it is. And you're not going to see me singing along with it, not because I don't like it, just because I don't really know it. But, you know, it's always these kind of moments in time that are fun when, uh, um, you know, all of a sudden say, oh, gee, I've heard this song before. How do you know all the words? Well, because what I listened to when I was growing up. So at any rate, and then the other thing we got to hear was that uh, the Dead XM station played a tremendous interview with Bruce Hornsby from 1992, right after he stopped playing with the Dead post-Brent. And uh, for those uh, who don't know or might be too young to remember, when Brent Midland died later in the summer of 1990, the Dead ultimately hired a guy named Vince Welnick, who had played with the Tubes, to be his replacement. But early on, as they were trying to kind of get their balance and Vince was working his way into the band, uh, Bruce Hornsby kind of showed up, I think, first time at Madison Square Garden that year with them in the fall and um, played a couple of shows with them. And uh, they invited him along. And in fact, in uh, December of 1990, my wife and I went down to, uh, I think it was Compton Terrace in uh, Arizona in uh, the Phoenix area to see the band. And we went with uh, Max again. Your parents were there. Uh, my friend Larry and that whole crew were all there. And and we saw Bruce Hornsby, and uh, he was great. He played a version of uh, Down the Old Valley Road, and it was really very good. But we were always curious because they, they, they played it less and less as time went on and eventually stopped playing his songs. And during the interview, they asked him about it, and he said the problem was that in order to play his songs, you know, the band had to practice them, and the band hated to practice. So after they learned them the first time, Jerry never wanted to practice them again. And over time, he kind of forgot the chord changes and everything else to the point where Bruce just stopped pushing, playing the songs, and they they just kind of let him go. But I got a good chuckle out of that because that seems very Jerry-esque to me. But um, uh, it, it's interesting, all these, you know, old tapes and interviews they have. In fact, they had a uh, – Hornsby somehow came up with a tape of him and his brother when they were in high school, who knows how many years before, and they had a band – called the outcasts or something like that. And they played a version of, they played them playing a version of playing in the band, which for high school kids, they really had nailed down. So clearly Bruce Hornsby had talent even back that far, but, um, but it was all a lot of fun and, uh, and it was great. I see we are beginning to run out of time. Uh, and so I think it's probably time for us to wrap things up for this week. Uh, again, let me just, uh, i uh, remind everyone that uh, Jim Marty uh, was uh, still traveling this week. He will be back with us next week. And I'm sure uh, with two weeks off, he will have uh, lots of interesting thoughts and ideas to share with us on all things cannabis and Grateful Dead. Thank you again to the newest member of the MJ uh, Bulls team, Max Wellens, uh, the Deadhead Cannabis Show team, for joining me today and being a guest host. I will just say that there's a special resonance for me as well, uh, having uh, well known Max, your mother, since uh, the early 19s or the mid 1970s, and your father since the mid 1980s. Uh, they've been important friends in my life, and uh, we've been to uh, big life events for you. And now uh, here you are, uh, both old enough and mature and knowledgeable enough, to, probably more than I am, uh, to be able to dive into all of this. And it's a pleasure to have you on board. It's awesome being here, Larry, and can't wait to be a part of the team. Very excited to help grow things on the social marketing side of podcasts and just grow the brand and grow the image a little bit. Wonderful. Thank you again to Dan Humiston, our producer, for all of his great help and assistance in getting the podcast going each week. Um, this is Larry Michigan signing off. Jim Marty and I will be back again next week. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you.
listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey friends, I'm Brandon and I'm Saba and we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout podcast, an educational platform to connect with the cannabis community and share personal stories while breaking the stigma of marijuana. Join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. to gain valuable insight with different perspectives from industry leaders, growers, and medical marijuana patients. This is a place to learn so much from different angles in the cannabis industry. So tune in while we break it all down. down.